Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Hoop Talk. We're going we're to be coming out with a lot of episodes this week, I told you guys. We're going to keep that promise, alright? In this episode, we're going to be doing three segments this time. The first time we've ever done three segments in an episode. We're going to be doing the Rookie Report and a new segment that we're going to introduce called The Sinking Ship. And then we're also we also have another new segment that we're also going to introduce. Um, we'll talk more about that later. And then we're going to talk about LeBron potentially reaching the scoring record uh, and passing Kareem next season, hopefully. So yeah, we're going to talk about those topics. But first, let's start off with the Rookie Report. Cue the intro. Rookie Report! It's back. It's been a little bit since we had it, but since the season's closing out, I figure that right now is the best time. I'm glad to report that my favorite rookie coming in is officially back, and he's here to stay. Jalen Green has scored mm-hmm. 30 straight points in four straight games. The first Ooh. time a rookie's done that was Allen Iverson back in 1997, and before that, Michael Jordan. That's some pretty solid company. I'm just saying. Mm. Jalen Green's he's put it together since the end of the All-Star break. Coach Steven Stylus has basically benched Christian Wood for the end of the season, along with Dennis Schroeder, which is giving him and KPJ a lot more shots. Um, and he's taking advantage of them. He's making a lot of shots. He's making difficult shots, you know, the your average shot creator variety, the step-back threes and the pull-ups, which we all know that he could make. He just wasn't making them earlier in the season. And he's doing it really efficiently. These past couple of games, he's been shooting 45% from the field, and 42% from three on a lot of attempts on like eight attempts per game and like 20 shots. It's not like, it's not like, you know, where he's shooting like 30 shots and he's only making like 12 of them. Like he's shooting efficiently. He's getting it done. And he's showing that like he was the second pick in the draft. A very, a very Anthony Edwards-esque. How do, how do you say this? Like a, ask me a word. Performance? Yeah, performance towards the end of the season, where like he really struggled towards the beginning, just struggled to adapt to the NBA, how it was moving. But he's just getting to his spots now. He does this really he does this thing that a lot of scorers do, like Shea, like where they're not super big. So like if they get cut off, they'll just keep going on the cutoff angle and just like go around the guy because they're like mad fast. So he's been doing that a lot. Um the step back threes which has always been there, but it's like coming to life. Um, off pull-ups and catches, he's shooting 42%. Obviously, this isn't a sustainable stretch. Like, he's putting up MVP numbers for, like, the past five games. But um, it's showing the amount of potential he has. So I have a question for you. I'm, I'm very interested to, to hear your response. But who is your rookie of the year? Because I know mine. Who's yours? The one and only, Cade Cunningham. Wow. Rookie of the year. You, you switched it, huh? Yeah, I did. Cade, after the All-Star break, has turned up. Like He has. He has. He's, he's averaged yeah. 22 points in March, and he's just become the guy for the Pistons. Like They haven't had someone like this in a while. I think maybe they're expecting Jeremy Grant to, to, to be a little bit like the guy, but Cade Cunningham has really shown that like he's... He's going to be their guy for a while. He's averaging 17 points on the season. I mh. mean, even even that's a bit skewed because he had like he had a really rough like first month oh, yeah. shooting the ball. The, the like, first the first yeah. couple months, he, he didn't play that well. But he's averaging 
22 points in the month in the in March, like I said, and I think it's like 22, seven and seven. I think that's what he been averaging. Yeah, like the whole month. His his season his season has a 17, five and five, which is great numbers for a rookie. And he's yeah, he's just been playing amazing the last couple months. He's gonna be my uh, he's my rookie of the year. I think I'm I'm staying with my take. I think they really should just give out co rookie of the year. Honestly, you could probably give it out to three guys. Like, there's no reason Scotty Barnes shouldn't have it either. Mm. It, it's kind of crazy, like how good this rookie class is. Um, Josh Giddy, who's been out for a little bit, but like he had a really spectacular like stretch. Evan Mobley, who's like basically, I mean, it really depends, but I want I have him on my all defensive team as a rookie, and he basically turned like half of this Cleveland defense around in his first season. And Cade Cunningham, who's already the primary ball handler, not on a winning team, obviously, but they did win against the 76ers. Um, and Cade played, like, insanely well. It was, like, an MVP-level performance. Um, the way he navigates the pick and roll is already, like, an elite level. It's very Luka Doncic-esque, like, the way he gets to his spots. Um, I'm a bit concerned, though, Ennis. I think another, I've heard a couple people talk about this, and, I, and I've thought about it, too, because I've watched a couple Pistons games. I don't know if there's a world where Cade is, like, the number one scorer on, like, like a championship team. Like I don't think like, I it's kind of it's kind of a weird take, but like somebody somebody at the Ringer talked about this where like a lot of like MVP superstar level players have like that easy offense, you know, mm. where they can just get to their spot whenever they need to. You know, with KD it's a pull up, like Kyrie's going to get to the paint, LeBron will do whatever LeBron does, you know. I don't know where that comes from from Cade right now. I think with Cade he's more of a traditional point guard like he, yeah he does score a lot and he's averaging 17 points on the season which is good for score but like his player build is more of like a shot or a, more of like a playmaker like a like a true point guard like Luca Luca isn't like a traditional point guard where he's only a playmaker he gets a lot of assists he's he can score when he wants to but he doesn't really score a lot that's not what Luca is Luca's not like a traditional point guard but I feel like Kate is more traditional like that where he's he's his main his main attribute to him like as a as a player is probably his playmaking and that I do think that yes if he's going to be on a championship team he can't be the number one scorer like and it, I mean, it's just I think a lot of this will fade as like the Pistons players get better eventually um right now like he's kind of just working with Sadiq Bay like in terms of guys who we can kick out to the corner and like that's an immediate hey, shot. Sadiq dropped fifty, bro. Sadiq, no, I'm saying Sadiq is Sadiq's a bucket. Sadiq's a bucket. <laughs> yeah, I've been yeah, a Sadiq yeah. fan for a while. No, but it's like, like the amount of offensive gravity you hold is going to be a lot more depending on the players around you. Like they're going to have to respect more three point shooters, and then they're going to have to come off the help less and give Cade less space to operate. Like if Cade was in a pick and roll with like Isaiah Stewart, he goes left, he keeps the guy on his back. Stays there for a second. Isaiah's going up for the lob, but imagine it's like Rudy Gobert in the paint. So you don't have that lob threat. But also, nobody's nobody's coming from the side to kick out to the corner because they're coming to help up because the guy in the corner is like Corey Joseph. You're fine with Corey Joseph taking a corner three. So it's like if you kick out to Corey Joseph, and that's not an assist, but it also, it gives Cade more space to operate if there's a more competent guy. No offense to Corey, um, Corey Joseph either. I like Corey Joseph. But like, if there's a legitimate three-point threat in the corner, that gives Cade more space to operate. Like if he wants to get into a floater or if he wants to get into a pull-up because the lob threat's not always going to be there. Or he can he can fake the floater and then hit the lob threat, but he's not going to have that space if the help side guy's coming. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. like we're going to see Cade with more space to operate eventually. And also I think his efficiency is going to go up just as he gets more adjusted. Obviously like the only guy that's shooting like super efficiently is like Scotty Barnes because all he takes is like mid-rangers and like 
in the paint shots. But yeah, I really like Cade. I do want to see a world where like he kind of shoots above 35% from three because there's a couple of games where it's like it's just not there for him. But yeah, I, I like I like Cade Cunningham a lot. See, like this is tough. I, like you said, I I don't. I think all three of them, like Evan Mobley, uh, Scotty Barnes, and Cade, like should all win Rookie of the Year. But I don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah. I think the only reason why some people would put Cade below the other two is because I don't know if this really like comes into play in the rookie of the year rankings, but the Pistons are like at the bottom of the conference. And well, yeah, I mean, they're not even yeah. playing Cade right now. Like what's it called? They didn't play him in the other game. Like, yeah. cause he's literally winning them games, but Cade, Cade doesn't have like, obviously his team isn't as good as, as Scotty Barnes has like with the Raptors or Mobley with the Cavs. But, like, the Raptors and Cavs are both in playoff contention right now, and they're both in the, sitting at the 6th and 7th seed. So, like, that might be a factor, but I don't... I just think Cade is obviously having a better season overall than both of them. I don't know if I can really say that Cade's having a better season than Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley's rookie season is kind of just, like... I feel like a lot of it's, like, he plays for the Cavs, and, like, his counting numbers are not super high. Like, it's like 14 and, what's it called? How many rebounds is he? 14 and 8. It's not going to, like, stand out to you. But he's already, like, he's already a kind of, he's like a third-level playmaker for them besides Darius Garland. Ennis, he's, like, the anchor of their defense at, like, in his rookie year. He doesn't foul. He gets blocks. He deters, like, one, I think he's, like, he's, like, fourth most in, like, affected shots at the rim. I mean, it's kind of, like, I think in, like, two years, we're going to be seeing Evan Mobley in, like, all-NBA conversations just for how good he is on defense. And, I mean, that's, that's like, that's half of basketball, you know? I think he's having, like, a one of the best rookie years we've seen. But, like, Cade is also having, a, like, a really good rookie year. And Scotty Barnes is having a really good rookie year. And they're all... And I think another reason, unless we don't put, put this into, like, why we're looking at rookie of the year, Evan Mobley's on a winning team. And so is Scotty Barnes. But Cade isn't, and Jalen isn't. So it's, like... It's a weird thing to think about. I think yeah. it's really up to like what you're valuing here. He's already averaging basically two blocks and like a steal per game. I mean, maybe just we should just give it to Jose Alvarado. I'm I'm down for that actually. I think this oh. is not, it's a lot like the MVP race. It's kind of just oh, coming down to true. like yeah, it's like it's coming down to what you're valuing right now. If you want the guy who's winning the most games and is like the best player on a champ on like a championship level team, then like Embiid is kind of like the Mobley of the race, you know. But if a guy that's like he's winning games and like his teammates really stink then like and he's shown that he's going to win those games and he's putting up like kind of crazy numbers then it's Jokic is your Cade you know and then Scotty Barnes I guess would be your your Giannis I mean it's it's a kind of a crazy their player comp isn't actually too off but Scotty Barnes is a Scotty Barnes is actually winning more games than Evan Mobley is right now but um he's also he also has better teammates arguably than Evan Mobley does Dude, that's actually crazy how similar the races yeah. are for MVP and Rookie of the Year. Yeah, it's it's a really close, really close race for both for both uh, awards. Just to throw some stats out there, Cade Cunningham has seven games with twenty five points, five rebounds, and five assists, and all the other NBA rookies combined have seven of those games. But I mean, that's also like I mean, Cade is the most like he's the most triple double guy out of anybody in like the class yeah. right now. He's the most well rounded on offense i feel like yeah i mean like i think it's between like him and like franz for like or scotty franz wagner franz wagner i think the reason franz hasn't gotten as much love is just because his touches have gone down a lot since like 
his early season start because Jalen Sox was out for a while. So they're trying to balance all of that. But on another note, though, I think this is like, I think the shooting will improve for Cade Cunningham because he's an 85% free throw shooter. I think that's just a good indicator. Like, would you say, Ennis, that's a good indicator of like how good of a shooter you're going to be? Yeah. For sure, for sure. Like, it's kind of hard to... Like, if you see a guy who's knocking down a lot of free throws, but he's just missing, like, easy jumpers, like, the jumpers are going to go in eventually, you know? Yeah, like, I could It's just tell, a matter, yeah. I could tell, like, Moody's, like, not a good shooter, because, like, he shoots 30% from the wow, free throw line. Wow, that's so, like, crazy, because, like, I actually have, like, video evidence of NS, like, missing free throws, like, over and <laughs> over again. Where's the video, bro? Oh I'm a goodness. 95% free throw shooter. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, I think we better move on to the next segment. All right, the next segment is, uh... The Sinking Ship. Now, this is a new segment. We'll talk about it after the intro, but first, let me cue the intro. All right, so uh, you want to explain what, what, the, what this segment's about? Yes. Okay, let's talk about The Sinking Ship. So, I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys have heard of the Titanic. Um, it's a ship that they got hit by a rock, um, a big old rock in the middle of the sea, and they just keep on going down, down, down. And that's a team we're going to be talking about today. Ennis, do you want to take a guess at who this is? It's two teams. I have one team, and I have another team, too. I think this is... One of them has to be the Jazz. Oh, you got it. You got it. And then... Maybe the Warriors? No, nah, not the Warriors. Not the Warriors. Or I was I was gonna say the, the Lakers. Warriors but would been be there like a week ago. All, yeah. The Lakers have been sinking all season. So the Lakers I'll, already sank. They're, they're at the yeah. bottom of the ocean already. <laughs> yeah. Everybody Wait, the the, on the boat's been been skeletalized. That's what happened. Um, <laughs> Chicago, my beloved oh, Chicago yeah. Bulls. Yeah, yep. they're the other sinking ship. Let's talk about Chicago first because I think there's more potential for this team. Uh, Demar and Zach are gonna be there for the Bulls. Always. They're like a solid like 60 points a game for this team. They also hold the tiebreaker against the Raptors, who are right under them in the sixth spot. It's kind of an unavoidable stat. The Bulls are 0-17 against top three teams in both conferences. And I've watched a lot of those games. They got blown out by the Warriors twice. They got blown out by the Bucks. I think twice. They just they seem to lose against a lot of good teams, which kind of stinks for them. It's also like They've been injured, like guys have been in and out. Vooch wasn't there at the beginning of the season, and then he came back, and then you had to work Vooch in, and then Lonzo was out, and then Caruso was out, and then like DeMar turned into Will Chamberlain. So it's been like a very interesting season. And then Caruso came back, and then Grayson Allen said nah, and he clotheslined him. And like, it was, <laughs> like, I, I really had high hopes for the Chicago team. They were at the... They were at the top of the conference for a while. And they do have, their next, their next game is the Bucks on Tuesday, and they just lost to the Heat. Uh, two top three teams in their conference. So we'll see. They have four games. I think they have to win two of those games, and my and Toronto has to lose two um, to stay out for them to stay out of the play-in. Because if Cleveland wins their next three, then they'll be ahead of them. It's really confusing because Cleveland has the tiebreaker against the Raptors, but then the Bulls have the tiebreaker against the Cavs. Do you think that Lonzo like has? that much of an impact on the team where like if he's out or if he comes back they start beating these good teams i don't know man i hope so (laughs) like because i mean i don't know if he has that big of an impact if you're owen said wow 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 wow. that's a yeah i thought you were alonzo ball fan i love Alonzo, bro but if you're owen 17 against the top three teams in both conferences you can't just say that the lakers are that alonzo wasn't there um what (laughs) (laughs) i don't think we'll really grasp how much impact lonzo has until he comes back partially because i look at lonzo and caruso as like rim protectors almost you know how 
okay, I know. Like, so they they basically deter guys from getting to their spots. And a lot of their spots, like if you were like Donovan Mitchell and they had they had Lonzo on you, Lonzo's job is to keep you out of the paint. Like he'll give you whatever else you want because that's the game plan for for Chicago when they had Lonzo and Caruso. And they have two yeah. guys that can attack the ball. Like Lonzo and Caruso could both switch on to big guys. Um, they both grab a ton of steals. Like a lot of transition opportunities are made from that. The Bulls are playing super slow right now. And that's because they don't. I think that's a big part is that Lonzo's not there. Um, but then again, we don't. We can't gauge the value of a guy who hasn't been there in three months. If Chicago's only hope is just banking on the fact that a ball brother comes back to come help them, I think that's a bit far fetched. But it also like you kind of just have to get your defense together. And if Lonzo's what does that, then I guess you kind of just have to hope for that. Demar's production hopefully sustains throughout the playoffs because historically it has not. That's kind of where he's hit his his struggles a lot of the time. But he doesn't have to play LeBron this year, so it might not happen. I would say for for the Bulls, I think if they want to make it out of the first round, they're gonna want to play the Sixers instead of the Bucks. So I think the spot think that they they're in the right Sixers now. In the seven game series. I mean, I would rather take the Sixers over the Bucks. To be honest, I would take any team besides to play the Bucks. That's all I don't yeah. want to do. I don't want to play. Yeah, the Bucks. I don't want to play the Celtics either. The, right now, where they're sitting at in the fifth spot is like where they want to be, but obviously, it, it very much could change. Like their seed very much could change in the next couple of games, so I think their their best case scenario is playing the Sixers, even though that's very pretty tough team. But you know Harden, knowing Harden, he's uh he might choke in the playoffs, so that's what they should hope for. It's kind of make it or break it at this point for them. Like this is a Chicago team; they have to re-sign Zach Levine in the off season. I think he'll come back, but they have yeah. to re-sign Zach Levine. They have to figure out what their plans are, because obviously, I think they kind of have to forget about this season, like going forward, especially like what could have been. I think you kind of just have to reassess, like see what you have here, see how much value Vooch is going to have for the next two years, because that's kind of your window for how good you're going to be and how like, like DeMar's on the wrong side of 30 right now. So you have to keep that in mind. Lonzo, Zach Levine and Caruso, I think should all be keepers. Um, I don't think that's in question. I think Vooch is definitely a question mark. Defensively, it's kind of been a big problem. And then shooting wise, he hasn't been this good. This he hasn't. He's had stretches where he's good, and he's had stretches where he's not. And like you can't even abuse what Vooch has against a team like the Bucks, because like Brook Lopez basically does the same thing. Um, and also, you have to have an interior guy against Giannis, which they don't have. Like watching Giannis against like the Bulls like earlier in the season, it was a massacre. It was like, it was bad. So I think maybe just like. Just acquiring more like diverse wings and like a big guy, like in the middle. That's like that can really just deter shots for you. I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about their offseason plans. Like I'm talking about their seasons over, but I don't <laughs> see them making it past the second round, at least right now. As much as I like this team, as much as I like Billy Donovan as a coach, Billy Donovan also gets the award for drippy as coach. He has his chain like <laughs> like out like during the games, which is so no wild. Way. Yeah, I like the Chicago team. I just don't know what their ceiling is, but I do know it's not above the second round. Just because of how packed this Eastern Conference is. Like, if the Chicago team was in last year's Eastern Conference, they may have gone a little bit farther. You mean well, they may go a little bit farther? Yeah, that's what I meant to say. it hasn't yes. happened yet, you know? Yes. Right, it yes. Could, you never know. You they never know. Be, they, they might be the Atlanta Hawks of last they year. May, they might be the NBA champions. You know, I mean, <laughs> I can see anybody from, like, one to four, and maybe, I guess, well, Anything one to four. One to four, and then, like, the 10th seed becoming, like, <laughs> NBA champions. 
All right. Uh, you want to talk about the Jazz? Oh, let's do it. I hate this team so much, Ennis. <laughs> Let me tell you. Let me tell you. I hate this team. I mean, I don't know what it is about them. I just, I dislike. It's not, I don't dislike the way they play basketball. I like Quinn Snyder as a coach. I actually really like Donovan Mitchell. I think he should get out of there, though. Like, somebody free Donovan Mitchell. But I think, like, this is just not a sustainable thing for them anymore. Rudy Gobert, unfortunately, can't play perimeter defense and interior defense at the same time, which has been proven time and time again. When you're banking on Royce O'Neal shutting down Paul George and Kawhi, I hate to break it to you, but it doesn't work out. Like, Royce O'Neal's a nice guy, probably. He's like a nice defender. He'll probably lock up like Corey Joseph, you know? And then trading Joe Ingles, who's like the heart of your team. I love Jingles so much, Ennis. Yeah. Um, he'll probably yeah, just but... resign with him in the offseason. But um, no, but Utah is just, they're just not good, man. Like they've, they lost, they blew a 20 point lead against, I forgot. And then the a 16 point lead against the Warriors. No, they had a and game then, before that. And then yeah. 25 against the Clippers. You're right, yeah, and then 25 against the Clippers they, with, like, an injured Paul George coming back. It was, like, yeah. the same thing that happened last year. Utah does hold the tiebreaker against Denver, who's right in front of them. So if they win their next couple games, um, then they'll be moving into the fifth seed, and they'll play the Mavericks, and they'll eventually lose to Luka Doncic, the greatest fat guy basketball player ever. I mean, there have been 15 games this season where they held double-digit leads, and they've lost all of them. All of them? Yeah. Oh my god. I don't see that like what is what's the hope with this team? Like I feel like two years ago, remember that bubble season when Mike Conley came in? We were like, Oh yeah. Mike Conley, maybe this is a contender now. Like have they entered like this race? Donovan Mitchell gonna take the next step. And then they kinda just stink. They kinda stink. It was a little bit stinky, you know? But then the next year, last year, that was their big breakout year. You know, they were the first seed. They were doing well basically the whole season. They they revamped their offense, they were taking more threes, Donovan Mitchell took another step, Rudy Gobert was Rudy Gobert, um, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert finally found like a chemistry which was working, and then they have the complimentary guys like Jingles and stuff like that. But then they ended up losing, obviously, because they have no perimeter defense. Like in the regular season, it works for like everybody just to go to the paint and like Rudy will deter them. Um, they'll just take like mid-range pull-ups, but like it doesn't work against guys in the playoffs who like have to take mid-range pull-ups because those are the only shots available. I mean, yeah, man. Like and Rudy and Donovan just hate each other. Like they've hated each other for like two years now. Ever since Rudy was like patient zero of COVID, then Donovan's kind of hated him. If you go through any of their press statements, did you want to know something, Ennis? What? Donovan Mitchell passes Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert the ball two times a game. What? Two times a game. Where'd you get that stat, bro? I'm being serious. I saw it. I'll literally, I'll, I'll literally send it to you right now. Wow. Don't they run like I a mean, lot of pick and rolls? Not really. Not enough. Well, then they run pick and rolls for Donovan to get like open looks have you ever seen rudy gobert get a switch in the paint and then work that switch no where so is, according to according it? to N- nba.com gobert is receiving two passes of um 1.8 passes of mitchell like from mitchell to get to the game because rudy only takes like seven shots a game um and those are all basically off lobs this doesn't surprise me at all uh utah has also lost six yeah, of its at- last seven games they've lost 15 times after leading by 10 or more points yeah, man. I just, this is not, like, this is not a good team. They have no small ball, small ball center. So, like, if a guy put, like, like, if Phoenix went small, they're done. If Memphis went small with Jaron Jackson at the two, at the two, at the five, they're gone. Minnesota, Minnesota just ripped them apart just because Cat can shoot threes. And, I mean, any, like, pull-up three-point shooter in the pick and roll basically rips this team apart because Rudy has to play drop. Klay Thompson did the same thing. And he's not even shooting that well off. It's 57%, Rudy. You're only taking, like, 
done. How are you missing those? Anyway, <laughs> do you see what he posted on Instagram too? He had this picture of like, he had, um, I don't know who it was, but he had like some small point guard, like sealed in the paint and he had like his hands up ready for the pass. Um, and they did not pass it to him. Um, which like makes he sense. That and what did he say? Um, he was just like, he was just like, keep, he was like, keep working or something like that. <laughs> like, like dog, you have no post game. Nobody's going to pass you the ball. Like, <laughs> I hate to break it to you, Rudy, but, like, this is, like, when... Remember when Andre Drummond would, like, ask for post-ups in Detroit and, like, he would never score off of them, just only off the offensive rebounds after he missed? Yeah. This is kind of like that situation. <laughs> yeah, he, oh, yeah, he had Malik Monk, like, sealed in the paint. He said, trust it. And he had, like, the hand, the prayer hands and, like, the oh crystal ball. In fact, he posted it twice. He posted the same picture twice. I don't know if that was, like, a mistake on his end, but he did do that. And then after that, it was trust the timing. Things happen for a reason. Yeah. Getting traded does happen for a reason, Rudy. Yes, it does. <laughs> you and your big old contract. Anyway, those are our sinking ships: the Utah Jazz and the Chicago Bulls. Get your stuff together because the playoffs are coming up in like five in like five games. All right, so uh, we also have a new segment. We're just gonna try it out for this episode and see if we want to keep it in. Uh, we're basically gonna be talking about teams you should be a fan of going into the playoffs. You got your teams? Yeah, yeah, I do. I got my teams. Ennis, do you got yours? I do not. Because okay. <laughs> I didn't, okay, know, just, I didn't know about the segment. Correct, and I had no idea this was happening. Okay, so I have two Western Conference teams, and I have one Eastern Conference team. You ready, Ennis? We'll I'm go ready, Eastern I'm Conference ready. first. Teams you should be a fan of in the Eastern Conference going into the playoffs. The Boston Celtics. No. Yeah. No, man. Yeah, I know. I will never ever be a fan of the Boston Celtics, even if you hold a knife to my throat. I'll never. I feel like I don't, like, hate these Celtics teams as much as I did. Like, I feel like I... The only Celtic team I really hate is, like, the Garnett Pierce Celtics. I really dislike that team. Because I feel like whenever they go around, like, they'll do, like... They won one championship, like, a singular championship. And I feel like a lot of people act like they're a dynasty. Obviously, they were all, like, 100 years old when they got together. So they weren't going to win anything. Like, they weren't going to win too much. And a lot of them got injured at the wrong in the wrong times. But I just don't like how that team acts, you know? I don't like Rondo. I don't know if I made this clear. I don't like rondo at all i don't like paul pierce i really like ray allen but i only liked him when he's on the heat um and like the bucks i think so KG us, on the celtics why we should never be a fan good. of watch tell us why we should be a fan of the celtics oh you should be a fan of the celtics. Uh, excluding laker fans yeah okay so put all your biases aside here <laughs> they have a second half of the season mvp level player in jason tatum who is a two-way player shot creator he's just he's just a bucket getter in us it's kind of that simple but he's, he's become a bucket getter on the likes of somebody like a Kawhi or a Paul George, where, like, you can trust them. Actually, I don't know if I trust Paul George to get a bucket in the last 10 seconds of a game. But <laughs> if you want to get a bucket in the last 10 seconds of a game, Jason Tatum's, like, going to be one of your guys. He's going to be the guy you trust. And, I mean, just exponentially, that's not the right word to use at all. Um, <laughs> his playmaking just has increased so much this year. Like, he's just making the right reads. Um, there are occasionally times where, like, he'll try to hit the corner and, like, it'll just be, like, way high. Like, it'll just be, like, into, like, the fourth row. But that only happens, like, twice every game. Like, his handle's improved a lot. He's just getting to the paint whenever he wants to. I feel like that's been a struggle for him. He would settle for just a lot of, like, mid-range jumpers that are just kind of contested. Um, but the paint's opened up for him more um, with the the way that Boston's offense works, um, which is kind of just pass the ball to Jason Tatum. But he's just he's just a bucket in this. Like, he's got the sidestep three. He's got the pull-up. He gets to the paint when he wants to. Just he's just he's solid on this. No no words yeah. around it, you know. Like he's the an Celtics. easy like. He's needy. He's like I I can see a world where like 
he drops 50 points like two games in a row. So he's that type of player. Okay, okay. He's just that type of guy, you know? You know, the Celtics really are peaking at the right, at the perfect time. Wow, that was such that was such a fantastic like phrase to use there. That's, we felt that felt so official, you know. Thank you, thank you. Like I said about peaking over the last seventy days, they have the best offensive, defensive, and net rating in the NBA. Isn't that crazy, bro? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And I mean, this is like after they stunk for like the first half of the season. I think it was I like they're they're poised to to make a deep playoff run. This mm-hmm. season. And I mean, there is a bit of concern with obviously Robert Williams III not being there. Oh yeah, that was for, tough. That was tough. Um, but I think their first round matchup, I think he'll be ba- he'll be back in time for that, just because of like, like I think he's probably like a top five like weak side help defender like in the league, or like strong side or like I don't know. I'm trying to picture the floor right now and I'm really tired so I can't really do it. But like <laughs> anytime you're coming into the paint, Robert Williams, he's just gonna swat it. He's gonna swat it. Well, I don't. It, it, I don't think just he's gonna like come that. back first round. Didn't they say like second, second round? round? Second round. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, but I don't think he's needed for the first round matchup if it's like Atlanta. Who are they? Gonna, like, okay, so they would. They could potentially play the Nets first round. Just saying, that would be very tough. No, no, no. They they can't. No, they can. No, they just play the winner of the seven eight matchup, or oh. Oh, unless they drop down in seeding. But oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Unless unless they go up to the first seed. Yeah, if they go up to the... I don't think that'll happen. I think Miami's a, a really yeah. good, like, we'll win when we don't need to team. So, I think they'll stay there. I was going to put Miami in sinking ship, but I was like, they're kind of too good to put them there. And Kyle Lowry just got... He's just so... Big booty. Okay, I, I wasn't going to go all the way there. <laughs> I was just going to, like, make a make a slight reference to it. But, I mean, whatever you say, Enes. Like, I'm not going to disagree. Bro, um, I just have to... I, I have to be upfront with it, bro. Yeah. I mean, it's good that you're you're aware of it. I think they'll hold the second seed though, and they'll probably play. I think Atlanta's winning the seven eight game, so I think Atlanta probably plays Boston. I don't think they need time lord for that. They have That'll to play be... Milwaukee next though, which is going to be so fun. And that that's, is that'll be that like going to be fun, bro. That's going to be such a fun series. That'll be like, whew. all right. Who, that's going to be like your, top three series. Who are your Western Conference teams? I think. I oh, I got two teams. Okay, take, take a game. I think one of them is the Grizzlies. Hey, you got it. You got it. You got it. Because that's that's my team. I, I love... I want to root for the Grizzlies, bro. Just because, like, there's such a young team that doesn't have much experience in the playoffs that no one thought was going to be a top three seed this season. They're just a surprising yeah. team. It's I always like fun that. to see when, like, the rebuild comes together, like, faster than it should. Yeah, and they don't have, like, superstars that they traded for or signed, and they're not a big market it's team. It's a very... Yeah, it's they, just a homegrown... It's, or, yeah, it's just a bunch of draft picks strung together. The Grizzlies are just, they they just play, like, I don't know how many times. I think I said this, like, eight times over the past two days. But it's like, they're going to get every single loose ball. You know, they're going to play hard. And, like, if anything, I think the big thing for them is going to be, like, getting hot from three. Like, that happen, that's happened to them a lot this season where Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, and, like, DeAnthony Melton just, like, and Desmond Bain just get hot from three. You know, and, like, that's able to win them games. Like, Desmond Bain pretty much won them that Brooklyn game where he just couldn't miss from three. I mean, part of it was Brooklyn's bad defense, which may be the reason that they don't get past the second round, but part of it is Brooklyn's bad defense that they weren't able to stay there, but Desmond Bain just can get hot from three. And obviously you have Jaw. Jaw's gonna like, there's real, I haven't seen a team successfully guard Jaw, weirdly besides the New York Knicks. I think the Knicks are a weird example because they had Mitchell Robinson. And like he was able to deter most of what Jaw wanted to do um, in the pick and roll, um, just because he's so large. Um, but there's not many other teams, especially a team like Golden State, 
Um, but I think a team like Golden State in the second round would kind of struggle against guarding Ja. Obviously, they have in the past, but they have no... Unless Draymond, like, really finds a way to do it, which he probably can since he's, like, uber smart, to just deter Ja from, like, get, like... But then again, he has the floater then, if he can't get all the way to the paint, then he has the floater. And I wouldn't be okay with Ja just taking floaters because, like, he shoots, like, 45% on them. So I wouldn't be like super excited about the fact of only letting Ja take floaters out of the pick and roll. But yeah, I think they win their first round series pretty easily. Dylan Brooks, I think is going to be a big part of this playoff run for them. He's going to be guarding their best guy a lot of the time, who's like probably going to be a wing guy. He's probably going to be the guy they stick on Steph or like D'Angelo Russell. But also he has, he's had some trouble in the past guarding like super shifty point guards like Donovan Mitchell last year in the first round, where Donovan was able to get like a bunch of foul calls on him just from like like messing around and like imagine if you went against a team like in the western conference finals against chris paul dear god what chris paul would do to dylan brooks i'm a bit scared about that if they gave him like full court pressure and like chris paul does like the rip through and he'll get like that's like an easy three fouls a game you know besides the ones that he's already going to draw but also jaron jackson jr he'll lock up inside you know and steven adams is a guy that like he's worked his well out of like a little bit like he's in, like the mid post area he can play make out of there it's gonna be like where does the half-court offense go when, like, things really slow down? Like, is it just going to be a bunch of job pick and rolls? Which I think teams are fine with, but they can also, they can start to blitz off of those, and then they'll see what happens from there. There is some game plan you can do against Memphis, but I don't think any of it's enough to the point where you're going to deter what they want to do. You know, they're going to get out in transition as much as they can. They're going to shut you down. They're going to, like, you know, go after every loose ball, you know? I like this Memphis team a lot. I think this Memphis team can potentially make it to the conference finals. And Ennis, I kind of have a bold take, which I changed from yesterday. I don't see a world where it's kind of crazy that Memphis makes the finals. Like, I don't think that's that crazy. You know, I thought about this for a little bit. I think it's a little far-fetched because, yes, they are a solid team. But I don't think you make it to the finals without, like, having experience in the playoffs first. Like I feel I like I, don't think I feel like a comparison to this team would kind of be like the Mavericks a couple years ago, where they were like Luca was pretty young and and he was like really good and having like a really great season. Like Jaw just had a really great season, and he had a, like a pretty young team, and like it wouldn't like people could see them making the finals that year, but I think it was just like their inexperience in the playoffs that like cost them the first round of the playoffs because in both years where they played the Clippers first round, they had chances to win that series. I think um, they were, I they think were so. up two zero in one of the series. They were up two they were up two one last year. Yeah. But then but then Kawhi kinda came to life and like everybody on the Mavericks like decides to not play besides Luca. Which I don't think will happen here. I think it's a bit I think I think the team that I thought of for this was like the the fifteen Warriors. Hmm. They hadn't made a super deep playoff run up to this point. They've made the playoffs Obviously, John didn't win MVP, but he had like an MVP level season almost. And the rest of the supporting cast is really good. They play really good defense. Um, they hit threes. And I don't think it's like out of the realm of possibility where like this team just goes on the run, you know, like the run. It'll be like a like it's not like an upset run because they're the second seed. But like it's just because they're so young. We didn't see it. Yeah. Run, you know, I think on talent alone, they can make it to the conference finals. But I don't I don't see them making the finals at all. Yeah, that's just my. I mean, opinion. we'll see, cause I mean, we haven't seen them in a playoff playoff environment. You know, like second round game six, where like the game is uber slow, like every possession matters. You know, like there's yeah. no mistakes that can be made. Like otherwise, you're losing the game. 
we haven't seen them in that environment yet, so maybe you're right. Maybe like that playoff and experience gets to them. This is gonna be Taylor Jenkins' first time coaching like in this type of environment, like besides last year. But I, I think we kind of give them a pass last year because they kind of gave Utah a scare, but it wasn't like anything like crazy. But we'll see. I'm I'm excited to see how this Memphis run goes. Who's I do have your, one other uh, team though. Yeah, who's the other team? I, I was talking about him a lot last episode, I guess. Um, oh, Luca Luca Doncic. Yeah, Luca Luca Doncic. Luca Magic, Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy, um, Puff Patriot Boy, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> He's, um, I think they do win this Denver series just because I don't think Jamal Murray's coming back. MPJ's definitely not coming back. He had another setback with his back, unfortunately. And I mean, Luca, I saw Luca against the Bucks the other day, and then I rewatched the game, and it was like, there's no real way to guard him right now. Bro was asking for switches onto Giannis. Like, then he called the ISO on Giannis. He hit the step back three, so then step back three becomes a threat. So it's like you don't want Luka taking the step back three, right? But then he used Giannis not being there. Because Giannis is probably the best help defender in the league. So he used that to his advantage. So that way he could make corner passes. He can make whatever pass he wants. He can make the lob passes with Giannis being on him. Instead of Giannis deflecting all the help passes. And deterring them and being able to not make that pass. I was just like, bro just broke the Bucks defense in like two seconds. Maybe I'm crazy for thinking this team could make the finals, but I also think like Golden State, Memphis, Phoenix, Mavericks all make the fi- all have a chance to make the finals. I I could see the Mavericks in the finals, bro, for sure. I mean, I just think this is like I don't think maybe they don't have the star power like yet. I don't think they're, they're going to win if they get there, especially not against like Milwaukee cuz Giannis is just Giannis. Uh maybe they do need the one other guy. Maybe this is a team where, like, the 011 Mavericks, you know, where you have your superstar, like, your guy. And then you just have a lot of good, like, really good complimentary pieces. Jalen Brunson's yeah. really good. Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, they're not going to get Tim Hardaway back in time for playoffs, which kind of stinks. Um, he's a good 3 and D guy for them. But Dorian Finney-Smith has really stepped up. They have Maxie enough Kleber, playmaking now. Maxi Kleber. And, yeah. and Dwight Powell, the, the tandem. Dwight Powell, um, who's really come alive defensively this year. I've kind of called him a non-NBA player before. <laughs> He's shown that he works within Jason Kidd's system. Um, I think their defense really will hold up. I think that's going to be their, their, their. I don't know how words work. Um, their, their ace in the hole. Like, if everything goes wrong, we play really good defense and we kind of just shut everything down. All their rotations are really good. They like they swarm the ball handler when they need to. Like, if there was a late game clock situation where the Bucks like needed a three, and they basically they. They did maybe the best job I've seen like from a defensive team all season besides like the Suns of like making sure that every shot wasn't there for them. Like making every single shot difficult, rotating the right way. And even Luca, Luca's more engaged defensively than he ever has been. And I saw him talking about on JJ Reddick's pod. He was like, you know, maybe, you know, one, two year, make all defensive team, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> they just, they seem motivated. And Luca's, I think, and as I think you can agree, Luca pretty much believes he's the best player in the league, even if. It's not consensus that he is. I'm pretty sure that he believes that, mm-hmm. um, which I think is good enough for them. So they're my other teams you should be a fan of. Brandon Knight is still in the NBA. He is? What? No, no, no. Nah, you're not being serious. It says he's on the, he's on the map. Oh, no, because I think he signed that 10-day. I think he signed that 10-day. I don't think he's, unless he's played. He played on April 1st for three minutes. What? No good way. Good for Brandon Knight, man. Did he get signed? Is he, like, signed on the team? Good for him. I don't know. <laughs> Let me see. Brandon Knight's been through so much, man. He's just, he's gone through the, if if you all know about what Brandon Knight's been through, it's it's been tough for him, man. There was the DeAndre Jordan dunk, and then there was the Kyrie, the Kyrie crossover. 
on the it's just game. in the uh, yeah and then there was also the time that he said in in 2014 they would sweep the miami heat in the first round it was just it's been tough from brazen oh yeah he you know? he he inked uh t- he had a 10-day contract on march 29th so it's about for him. it's about to be up i mean maybe they'll resign him hopefully hopefully yeah I totally forgot that happened this season. We had like two weeks or like a month even where like every other old dude was getting signed to like yeah, I know. a two day contract. Yeah. yeah. Well, the league leader in field goal percentage, if we discard like how many games played, is still Joe Johnson. Really? <laughs> hasn't, hasn't missed a shot yet. <laughs> he only took one, but he didn't miss it. So LeBron James is, um, everyone's talking about this. He's going to probably, inshallah, inshallah. Uh, break the scoring title. And pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for most points, most points scored in the regular season, uh, probably by next season, uh, around the end of the season, um, he's slated to, or he's project, he's projected to pass Kareem. And now Kareem publicly criticized LeBron, not not about the scoring title, but he said he has a greater responsibility in how he conducts himself, given his elevated platform. And like that actual quote he said is some of the things he's done and said are really beneath him as far as I can see. Some of the great things that he's done, he's standing on both sides of the fence almost. It makes it hard for me to accept that when he's committed himself to a different take on everything. It's hard to figure out where he's standing. You've got to check him out every time. So it's not really about basketball. What That's a vague, what, he said. what a vague, unspecific <laughs> take. Like, I get what he's saying to an extent. Kareem, if you're going to say something, then just say it. Like, if you if you want to say you don't like LeBron or something that he said, then you can just say that. Like, I remember a couple months ago, he said, like, LeBron shouldn't be dancing. <laughs> he did the big balls dance. And then uh, Kareem said, why do you need to do a stupid childish dance and disrespect the other team on the court? It doesn't make sense. Goats don't dance. Bro did disrespect him. <laughs> he had to step back there to win the game. Just say you don't like what LeBron's saying. But, like, you respect him as a basketball player. It's kind of that simple. That's, like, an easy take. I don't really like a lot of the dudes in the NFL, you know, but they're really good at football. It's kind of like it's kind of like that. Don't say some weird thing about, like, oh, LeBron can't be the GOAT because he said this, like, two weeks ago. But then he, like, went back on it. And then he started dancing. Like, what? What, Doug? Bro's 37, leading the league in scoring. What do you want him to do? He's about to pass you. We get it. It's all good. It's all good. No worries, Kareem. Just don't say it again. <laughs> LeBron is also, he's already number one in points scored in the regular season and playoffs. In other news, um, TJ Warren has not played basketball in two years, ever Bro. since dropping 53. Everyone forgot like, about that, man. <laughs> he's just like, I think it's going to be weird. I think next year he's going to come back. He's going to drop 55 points. Just nobody's going to see it coming. No, we got to go to the, we got to go to a bubble for him to do that. Oh, yeah. We got to go back to Orlando. Okay. Ennis, I have yeah. one short little segment that I want to give to you. Yes. We're gonna. I'm gonna pick three play. I'm gonna do like a player comparison. It's gonna be real quick. Just gonna run through. I got this idea from the Dunker Spot podcast. Um, this is not my idea, but I just want to see what your take on things would be. Okay. okay. Shea or Dejounte Murray? Uh, Shea. Yeah, I'm picking Shea. Josh Giddy or Scotty Barnes? Ah, uh, bro, I'm gonna take Scotty Barnes because he's like, Josh Giddy's a good. Uh, he's a good like triple double guy. You know, he gets he gets assists. He got a high IQ. But I think Scotty Barnes is just like wow. a better score. That's one way to call him white. Um, <laughs> okay. Hey. Um, okay. Uh, Paul George or Devin Booker? D-Book, bro. For sure. All right. That's all I got. I'll come back with like five of them next week. 
Alright. On an unrelated NBA note. Oh. Okay. Uh, how's your uh, bracket doing for March Madness? Oh, it's garbage. It's all gone. It's all horrible. Not Dude. a single team that I picked to be in the Final Four is there. After after uh, the Sweet 16, I had no one left. Oh, yeah, bro. Bro, like, what's it called? No after one. the fr- As soon as, what's it called? As soon as Kentucky lost, I was like, are you being for real? Y'all are killing me. And then St. Peter's just kept going. That one didn't really hurt me because I had Kentucky losing in the second round. Oh, but, and then UCLA lost. Um, yeah. I had them going pretty Dude, far. And then Gonzaga my, lost, who I'd go to go to the Final Four, but... My final four was, okay, don't make fun of me for this, but I had to choose the Cinderella team, and I just chose Virginia, or I just chose Vermont. So I had Vermont, Vermont. Uh, Purdue, Arizona, and Auburn. I thought Auburn was going to go really far, but then they had no point guards, so I guess that's... I know nothing about college basketball, bro. I just looked at all the rankings and stuff. <laughs> I looked at expert picks on CBS.com. I, o- I only know about college basketball because of the guys that, like, the own, like the draft picks that are on the teams. Like, what's yeah. it called? I couldn't tell you a single player on Houston. Um, <laughs> like, it's just I don't know anybody there. Yeah. Um, but the, the national championship is today. Or by the time is, you guys yeah. are listening to this, the winner is already going to have been decided. Yeah. Who do you think is going to win? Uh, probably I'm I'm going UNC. I'm going Kansas. Kansas is gonna win. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Hoop Talk. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. And also make sure to follow our social media. It's at Hoop Talk Podcast. And we release updates updates on when our episodes release. And we'll see y'all in the next one. Peace.